0: Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. We hope that you find encouragement today as you listen. Uh, This is our Lent series that we want to have, and we're calling it Rooted. And and there's more to it than that. Uh, That's just a really great uh, uh, name, but just something to kind of wrap your mind around as we journey, at least for the next five weeks, up to Palm Sunday. It'll be five weeks, then Palm Sunday, then Easter. But um, I want you to know this, that we're, uh, and and by the way, Lent, the Lenten season is is designed to strengthen us, to form us. Uh, The early church practiced uh, Lent as a, a season of preparation uh, to prepare new followers of Christ, and then they do their baptisms on Easter. Isn't that cool? And so it's just a time of just going deeper and understanding who Christ is and uh, uh, being reestablished and rooted and founded in principles of, 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 of what this kingdom journey is all about. And um, so when we say rooted, the goal is is this for this Lenten series, to reestablish and refresh our hearts and our minds on, on Jesus' purposes for his church. Um, designed to, to bring strength and fulfillment in our lives. And uh, Jesus said uh, when he was there outside of Caesarea Philippi and, and he asked the question to his disciples, who, uh, who do they say I am out there in the streets? And, and, uh, and they're all, you know, John the Baptist and the prophets or whatever. And then Peter spoke up with this prophetic insight and he said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you. Simon Barjona, his full name. He said, because flesh and blood didn't give you that insight, but my Father in heaven. I tell you, upon that, I always, I believe it's to be this, upon that confession or that revelation, I will build my church. You know, that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, I will build my church and hell won't prevail against it. The gates of hell won't prevail against it. And so uh, we're going to be looking over these next few weeks at what Christ's heart is for his, his church, and specifically, this is what my, my message title this morning is, Why Church? Why Church, okay? Because uh, there's a lot of people that may question what's the significance of church or what's the need for church, and the church has a lot of history, almost 2,000 years of history. A lot of it's really good, but that doesn't, that's not what makes the headlines, you know? Some of it's bad. And uh, the reason is because it, there's, there's humans in it, and uh, we mess up, right? The best, the, a wonderful picture of what the church could be is uh, Brian Houston, who's the founder, well, he's the pastor of Hills, Hillsong Church in, 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 uh, in uh, I'm saying all over the world now, but in Sydney, Australia, uh, and they've got churches in, in major cities throughout the world, including New York and L.A. and Phoenix here in our own nation. But he had this kind of this vision poem back in the early 90s, and then it's been refined in, in like 2014, but I like it. And it's kind of hard to read because it's smaller. but I'll read it to you. It says, the church that I see is a church of influence growing so quickly that buildings struggle to contain the increase. I see a church whose heartfelt praise and worship touches heaven and changes earth, exalting Christ with powerful songs of faith and hope. I see a church whose altars are constantly filled with repentant sinners responding to Christ's call to salvation. Yes, the church that I see is so dependent on the Holy Spirit that nothing will stop it nor stand against it. A church whose people are unified, praying, and full of God's Spirit I see a church so compassionate that people are drawn from impossible situations into loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. I see a people so kingdom-minded that they will count whatever the cost and pay whatever the price to see revival sweep this land. I see a church whose head is Jesus, whose help is the Holy Spirit, and whose focus is on the Great Commission. Now, the Great Commission is the very last words that Jesus gave before he ascended into heaven after his resurrection. He says, go into the nations, go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the commission, that this gospel that was changing the hearts of a small band of followers was literally going to leak to the nations. And so now today there's over 2.2 billion People in the world that confess Christ, oh, we're a lot of different streams, a lot of different shapes and sizes. But when push comes to shove, mostly all of us are focusing to Jesus Christ as the Lord of all. That's an amazing number. That's more than China and India combined, and those are two very large nations. It's the largest entity in the, in, on the planet. You realize that? The Church of Jesus Christ. And it started out with a, a, a band of ragtag followers. One quit jesus and took his own life and and then it started to spread from there and it's just it's amazing when you think of it. And of i love i love that vision from pastor brian houston and i say if we just stopped right there and said that's it that's why church because in the church uh christ can do unbelievable unbelievable things in the earth today as he touches and heals the world around us now if we the reality is that um The flip side of the good is the bad and the ugly, right? In fact, I shared this once before. Many of you probably weren't here, but Andy Stanley was over in China visiting a factory that a friend of his had a leather shop. And so he's getting a tour of this this factory. And there was a young woman who was in management, had raised up into a management position, who was walking with them. And as they concluded the tour, they sat down in an office. And the gentleman leading the tour said, Anybody have any questions for uh, for Mr. Stanley or any questions? And that woman raised her hand and she said, Are you a pastor? Now, he wasn't introduced as a pastor. But she said, are you a pastor? And he said, well, yes, I am. And she said uh, "She said this, uh, I want to get this right, says, um, she said uh, she had recognized his voice as they were walking around from a sermon that he had preached, that she had gotten a co- she'd received a copy of that, it was entitled, How Good is Good Download, whatever it was, CD, whatever it was, uh, and she surrendered her life to Jesus Christ. Through the gospel being spoken by Pastor Stanley, and so um, and so, she asked that question, and uh, and she shared with him that there was no church in her city, but she attended a Bible study because there was no church in her town. In fact, the closest church was two hours away, and the bus ride was really costly. And she'd have to get up so early to get there, so she wasn't always going to an organized gathering like we have here today. So she was, she was being fed by uh, a small group in, in her town. And then she asked this question, and this really shook Stanley, and uh, he writes about it in one of his books. She said this, why doesn't everyone in America go to church? Now, this is a woman who has to travel two hours, and that church was unregistered because the The government didn't recognize that church that she was going to as being official. They have a control on it, and you have to act a certain way and dance a certain way in order to be a registered church in that nation. Why doesn't everyone in America go to church? It's a great question. Uh, and, And I want us to think about that this morning. First, when we talk about why church, we need to maybe ask, what is the church? It's not, by the way, it's not a building. Uh, you are not at the church. You are the church that's meeting within the walls of a building, okay? So it's not a building, and it's not an institution. If you grew up in a large denomination, that's not the church. That's an expression of Christ's called out ones. In fact, when Jesus said, I will build my church, we don't even have a good definition. What we've done is, we can blame. I've told you this. We can blame our friends in in Germany because Martin Luther kind of gave us a f- form of it. And the English translation is uh, f- uh, from "kerika." I think is is church, and and the the word in the in the Greek is "ekklesia," which means more of an assembly. Christ said, "I will build my assembly. I will build my called out ones." And we've turned it into church, and then with that, we we think of cathedrals or storefronts or tents or wherever we meet and that's not what the church it was never a building or a cathedral or a temple it was an assembly a gathering okay and so uh uh and that's the great question it's not it's not a building it's not an institution in fact here's what here's what you need to understand the church is not a place I go and it's not an event I attend it is a spiritual family that I belong to all right now, here's the thing. When you belong to a spiritual family, you have to gather somewhere. But the event and the building is not the church. It's the gathering of the family that is the church. And that's why many of us are here just about every, every week or most of the time committed because uh, we're, we're, we understand. We've got a revelation of what this, this uh, mystery is all about, this mystery called the church or the assembly. Uh, so I like what my friend... Pastor Joe Beach, he wrote a book. It took him 20 years to write it. And, uh, and I know it because every time I, I get with him once a year or more, and he's always pulling up and saying, I'm still working on my book. And he finally published it, and some of you have it. I think John Anderson has about 100 copies because every time I go online, he's giving away copies. Uh, and uh, and it's, when I went out there to see him uh, last week, we had some board meetings. He still doesn't have copies of it. I have to go on Amazon and get it. It's called The Ordinary Church, and he says this. He says, to be a Christian is to be in Christ. To be in Christ is to be in the body of Christ. To be in the body of Christ is to be in an actual ordinary church family. That's Joe Beach, Ordinary Church, a long and loving look. And he's always emphasizing ordinary so much that I don't think he wants to be anything. but. Or he's always talking about just being a boring family, you know, without all the spritz and all the hoopla. And I always say, Joe, you maybe need to get a little more hoopla. Come on, pick it up a little bit. But he is such a good pastor and such a passionate pastor of what God's placed before him as a people, and an ordinary church, a long, uh, a long look and a loving look at what Christ calls his church. Uh, why Why church? Now, there's three possible reasons for not belonging to a church. There's a whole lot more than that, and some of you could even come up and tell me afterwards. Uh, but uh, first of all, I just see there's a cost. What's involved in following Jesus is tooth a cost and a choice, okay? Uh, Jesus speaks in the Gospels about picking up your cross and following me. And the cross was not something that was light or enjoyable. It was looked down on. It was a painful encounter. And it was something that you didn't want to drag around. And Jesus said, There's going to be a cost. You're, the cross is laying down our lives in order to take up his life. And a lot of us are just saying, Okay, I. I may not want to follow Jesus right now because I like my life and I don't want to take up his life, okay? So that's the cost and that's the, the price that you, that you think about and, and the choice. God doesn't, and this has been a mistake when we when we become Christian nations and we tell everybody they're Christians. Like when Rome became Christian instead of pagan and Constantine waved his wand or his, his sword and said, now we are Christians. It's like the whole nation became Christian but there was no conversions. Not like, Pastor Mark was talking about down there in Honduras one day. We got tired of reading nothing and the Holy Spirit moved upon his heart through the book of first Thessalonians and five chapters later and a hundred hours or whatever it was. It's like something happened and he was, he encountered Jesus Christ and that's being born from above. It's being born again. It's being trans, trans transformed by the, the power and the presence of a living God. Uh, uh, and so I think that's that's something, there's, there's that choice, and in fact, you know, the prophet Bob Dylan said, you you, you got to serve somebody. You know, it may be the devil, it may be the Lord, but you got to serve somebody, right? Remember Bob Dylan saying that, right? And, uh, and the, what the saying is, you have to surrender to Jesus. It may not just be the devil, it's just maybe walking your own way and serving your way. So that's, that's one reason why our churches aren't full, my sister in China, all right? That's that's one reason why everybody in America doesn't go to church, all right? Also, I think there's a misunderstanding, not just the cost and the choice to follow Jesus, but the misunderstanding. I don't know just how remarkable the gift of God's love through the person of Jesus Christ, our Lord, is. They have yet to understand that when you put those together, there's a plan that's spelled out, and there's a purpose that is, otherworldly. And it's absolutely phenomenal. It changes our life. It changes our character. It changes our cadence. It changes the the way we live and the way we love and the way we talk. And it's a part of something so big. And everybody loves to be a part of something big. That's why we we, we go into multi-level marketing. But I'm telling you, the greatest multi-level marketing design of all time was the kingdom of God where our lives are changed. And we take somebody to lunch. We say, I got to tell you where I was at and where I am now. He changed my life. He's changing my life. I like what Justin Bieber said uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I I was reading online where he was interviewed, I think by Apple or something like that, and he said, if it weren't for Jesus, I'd be dead right now. Something's happening in his life. Yeah, but didn't you hear his latest song? It's like, yummy, yummy. I I haven't heard it. And he goes, how can anybody say that? I I don't care about that right now. I say grace, but when I listen to his words, and I'm talking about these pastors in his life who some of us here know those pastors and have talked to those pastors, and they're spending hours and hours and pointing him to the beauty of the kingdom of God and the possibilities that he, are, are his to be found as he surrenders his life to Jesus Christ. Somebody said he, was, uh, he, he gave a testimony and sang a song. Who's the guy that came to the Lord recently? In, yeah, Kanye. Uh, and, and, and like for 10, 15 minutes, Biebs is just going crazy and just preaching and singing this song. Something's taking place, and I'm gonna pray for him, okay? But let me tell you, something. what he said was if it was not for Jesus, he'd be dead right now. Well, this guy hit the top. How, why do you wanna die when you're making millions of bucks and you're not even 23 years old? I mean, isn't that what life's all about? It isn't. Life's about encountering the author of life, and that is found through the person of Jesus Christ. And he is re-encountering. You say, well, what do you mean re-encountering? Because if you look at way long ago, there's Justin Bieber on a little street corner south of Toronto playing his guitar and singing worship songs. He said, well, then he was always a Christian. No, he, he'll tell you, he, he walked away. He was probably, he'd say, he'd probably a prodigal in a distant land. But there was a seed plant in his life. And now I'm praying that He takes the seed that's coming to fruition and he shares it to a nation that needs to know that seed. Here's the problem with people why our churches are empty. It's because there's a misunderstanding of Christ's love and his beautiful gift and his plan and his purpose to transform us. We wrap it up in politics and theologies and and all these different things that separate and divide us instead of just going right to the source the beauty of the gift, the profound power behind the gift of Christ. Birth, life, death, and resurrection, how it transforms all of history and is transforming yours and my history. All right. By the way, these are just points I'm getting stuck on. This is my po- I have very little on my notes, but I'm just getting so excited about this stuff, and I need to move on. Okay, so third bad and third reason why the church uh, is, 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 is people probably aren't attending church. I would say to my, my sister in, in China is we've earned a bad reputation. A lot of people have been hurt by the church. Uh, Jesus established it, but we've been called to manage it. Established by JC, managed by you and me. That's a fancy word that the Bible calls stewardship, all right? Stewardship means somebody else owns it, but we care for it, and we manage it. Wouldn't it be cool if—and Jesus probably could do this by the power of the Spirit, where he just shows up and he just leads every service— all over the world today, but he fills us with his spirit and he calls us to serve the body of Christ, the, the gathering, the assembly, the church, the ecclesia, and, uh, and we mess up. People hurt people, hurt people, hurt people. That's why God created Celebrate Recovery. There's your plug. He comes and he, and we've got our own <laughs> Celebrate Recovery, and it's beautiful. It's all of our hurts and our habits. What did I miss there? Hang-ups, of course, I'm the biggest hang-up of all, you know, uh, the, the, the Lord is there to bring healing to that, And but hurt people hurt people, and that's established by JC, managed by you and me. I liked how that poetically felt this morning, and so uh, that's, you know, that's my original. It's not probably worth a lot, but... Okay, so here's, here's a little word picture for you this morning. Here's, here's a picture of five praising pastors. I say praising pastors because this came out of a book at Christ for the Nation. I was showing Mark this yesterday because his kids went to Christ for the Nation, the Bible Institute in South Dallas. And these five praising pastors, it said, former worship leaders are all pastoring a church today. Okay, so Dave Butterbaugh and to the right of Mrs. Lindsay, whose husband founded the, the organization, that's Mike Massa. And above him is Keith Hewlin. He's been up here. He's a lifelong friend of mine. And so is David and Pastor Michael too. And then that's Kevin. And then I'm the guy in the leather. So I was looking for that leather coat and I can't find it. I know I can't fit into it, but I can't find it. I was going to bring it to just show you. That's me up there in the left corner. Okay. Now I'm the only one left pastoring of all those guys, but they're all in ministry and they're serving the Lord. But they uh, they've moved on from local churches ex- experiences. Now, let's go a little, a little tighter here. This is this is Kevin, and this is Kevin's wife Denise, and this is two of their kids. Now. Kevin uh, was on staff and he led a music traveling music group. And then he uh, came back and led worship, which I had done a few years earlier to that, and he really took it to another level. He started a publishing arm of the institute, the, the college and the, the missions organization. And so he just took, he took that whole ministry up another level. And then he got called to New Jersey to pastor a church. And he was a brilliant pastor. I remember going back and, and we would talk. He, when I say brilliant, he just loved people and he loves people. And so he's pastoring this church in New Jersey. And, uh, and then, uh, uh, is his kids, uh, uh, they they they're just really gifted, and I saw recently Jonas. But just about everybody here knows his sons, the Jonas Brothers, right? So there he's over there pastoring in New Jersey, and his youngest son starts going over to Broadway and and doing Les Mis and uh, Lion King, and he's got a beautiful voice and very gifted. And the next thing you know, somebody sees a little song that he and his dad wrote at Christmas from Sony, and and then it's like, well, we all sing, and so now they're a boy band, and they're struggling and driving around in a minivan, and you know, uh, dad, pastor dad, Kevin is, you know, taking money out of their retirement just to try to pay the little band they have and going with them. And they're they're heading nowhere fast. And then one of their songs gets a hit and like overnight, there's this meteoric rise. I mean, literally, you know, they go from, you know, this little minivan and driving over to schools to do like little auditorium things and, uh, you know, just, you know, 25 kids or 100 kids and to... 15,000 screaming adolescent girls outside of their hotel room, you know. Of course, the rest is history if you're familiar with popular culture over the last 15 years or how whenever it started, 10, 15 years ago. And uh, so, but what was interesting, I watched this uh, this documentary this past week um, because uh, I and maybe some of you have seen it, but it's it was, uh, see if I have the name of it here, it's kind of interesting. It was, uh, essentially, it was the story of... Um, of, of their of their lives their their early years and their rise to fame, and they broke up, and now they're kind of back together or whatever and uh, and so I was, I was watching this, and something that kind of touched my heart and and really kind of uh, challenged me was as they went back to that neighborhood where their dad pastored, and the church they call them parsonages, where the pastor lives, sometimes they call them pastoriums. it was like three doors down from the church, so they're you know this documentary they're doing this picture they're standing out in front of the the parsonage, and they go, yeah, look at the same curtains. I remember that, all these memories from being little kids there and walking down every day to the church where Dad was pastoring, and they were remembering that, and then they walk down the block, and they're standing in front of the church. Go, yeah, that's, that's where we all kind of started our Christmas programs and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and then one of the brothers, I think Joe said, can we go in and look at it? And one of the producers says, no, no, there's legal reasons why we can't do that. Go, what? there's a church. I mean, come on in, you know, I don't care who you are. would be great to have you come on in, bring the cameras, let's hang out. Then they had coffee and they're talking about it and, and something to this effect came up that the father, when the kids started to, you know, get these deals and, you know, record deals or whatever, that the church, it was a congregationally run church and they didn't think it was best that their pastor be running around the country I'm sure it's starting to increase uh well uh you know while he's supposed to be pastoring the church and they were, he was pa- his dad pastor and manager of a boy band and so um they voted and they asked him to leave that's the way some churches work uh Ours doesn't. You just get tired. You leave. Okay. <laughs> we're one of those congregations. Either way, either way, it, it stinks. You know. We're supposed to kind of hang out and get get by all of our differences. But I know sometimes my differences are too big. But um, uh, but so you could just tell they were because because one of the boys said the only two places in the world that we aren't welcome are in that house and in this church. Now I don't know if that's true. I mean, I'm sure there's other places that don't want you there. But to them, the idea that they encountered rejection through the church, we're really good at hurting one another inside the gathering of God's people and uh, and uh, and it's not fair because you didn't get to interview the 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 leadership of the local church it's not that 's not what these documentaries are for, usually, but um, I just thought you know what isn't that the church is managed by humans, and there's always a possibility of hurt or offenses or misunderstandings occurring and so that's the that's the dark side, but that's also the bright side because God has the ability if we stick it out long enough to push through our indifferences and our brokenness and bring us to a place of humility where we, we ask for forgiveness and we seek God for healing and restoration. And, uh, and that's, that's the goal, right? So that's, that's a little interesting story. So I just want to give you a couple scriptures. I, I want you to see this. The re, what I'm trying to tell you is I realize the church isn't perfect. But I also realize that this church, this thing that Christ has created, is the greatest entity on earth. They say, are you, you're going to really say that? Yes. And these next four verses or six or eight verses, I'm just going to throw at you really quick. Take your notes if you want to. Get your notes out or whatever you mess, whatever you use your notes on, your back, your bulletin or whatever. I want, this is what we understand to be clarity in the issue of what the church, why church? Well, uh, because it's the greatest entity on the earth. Look at this. The, the, our first sign of church shows up in uh, in Acts chapter 2. In verse tw- uh, 41, 41, 41, and 46. That's supposed to be 42, sorry. Those who believed were baptized and added to the church. Peter just finished this anointed message of just standing up and speaking and sharing his heart, walking people through the story from the Old Testament to the present and Christ's death being put to death and raised from the dead and, and was all done. It's they they believed and they were baptized and added to the church and they joined with the others believers and committed themselves to the apostles teaching and fellowship. They worshipped together regularly at the temple courts and met in small groups and homes for communion and shared meals with great joy and thankfulness. Here's what you could say from that scripture right there, and I'll go quickly. A church is a group of baptized believers who have joined together in a commitment to help each other fulfill God's plan for their lives and His creation. Because it's always more than you and I, but it's for the whole world, for all of Christ's creation, for all the world, for all of God's creation. Um, so, why is the church so valuable? Here's here's four reasons. First of all, it's God's family. You were born. And when you were born, you were born into a human family. You can't shake it. You weren't born a whale or a dog or a hog or anything like that. So you were born, create Christ. We're born from above, born again. We're born into God's family. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, God has given us the privilege of being born again so that we are not now members of God's own family. We are members of God's family. God's family. That's why it's so important. It's not my family. Don't ever come up and say, Pastor Brian, how's your church doing? Oh, I I love you. It's not my church. Just because I've been here 30 years, you think I own it. I don't want, this isn't mine. Now, if it's a really good day, you can say that. But most days are not all that good in humanity. This belongs to Jesus. He's the one shaping us and forming us. The Old Testament said he's the potter. We're the clay. You know what a piece of clay does? It sits in a big lump and the potter begins to spin the wheel and shape us and form us and then bake us so that we stay in that position. And, oh, that's a, that's a whole sermon in itself or two, right? But we are part of God's family. In fact, when Paul writes to Timothy, he says this, although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household family, this is the language they used, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Now, there's days that I'm, I don't look like or I'm not the, the smartest cookie in the, in, in the cookie jar. But what we have as we lead one another, as we serve one another, is something divine because the author, the one who produced this family, the one who's created this family is the God of all the universe, and so you're going to discover things that are transformational in your heart, and your life. You're going to discover things in his family that are supernatural. Here's another thing that you want to see here. The church is God's representative on the earth. The church is God's representative. God's, God's intent, he says this in, in, in Ephesians 3, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to all the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. All. I like that. To all the rulers and authorities. And manifold wisdom. And this is according to his eternal purposes which he accomplished in Christ Jesus. The church is God's representation on the earth. We represent God. And that's a pretty that's a pretty robust calling, isn't it? That's why I refuse to give up on it. And that's why I appreciate those who continue to, to serve Christ's church because we represent God through um, uh, through our very presence in the earth today. Look at Ephesians chapter 3 in the message. I like how Peterson says this, through, uh, through Christians like yourselves gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. I kind of like how he, he takes that, and I know some of you have your issues with Eugene Peterson, but... Sometimes I just enjoy the creativity that he he can take and say, "Yeah, this is what this extraordinary plan of God is being brought forth to His people um, and to the earth, and even angels." Look at here, number three is that Jesus died for His church. Now, who dies for someone else? A father? Sometimes a very heroic person on the street, you hear about them standing in front and t- giving their life so that somebody else can live. That's like the ultimate sacrifice. We talk about our military people who go and lay down their lives in, in, in foreign wars and, and, and we have this history and where we honor those who have served. But you know, usually the first person that will stand up and, 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 and lay down their life would be someone who fully loves um, those that they're laying their life down for. And I think of a father or a mother Jesus died for his church. And here's what Ephesians 5 says. Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. He died so that he could give the church to himself like a bride in all of her beauty. He died so that the church could be pure and without fault. That's pretty clear, isn't it? That's in the uh, New Century Version. I like how just the emphasis on he gave his life so that we could be uh, whole and Strong and redeemed, and the list goes on and on. He died for the church so that we could be pure and without fault. Um, so you say, why why stand, why push? why work through all of the idiosyncrasies, all of our negatives why church? Because Jesus, in his great love, laid down his life for this church and uh, and therefore uh, we are called to to love her as well. And finally, I just want you to see this. The church belongs to Jesus. And we started with this scripture, and and I just want to conclude with it. I invite the worship team to come up. Uh, Again, Jesus talking to his disciples, and he said, I will build my church, my church. It's not not my church. It's not the person next. Now, when we start saying, uh, instead of Pastor Bryant's church, uh, I'm going to our church, that, that's okay. I mean, we, this is where we gather. This is our family. It's like saying our family of believers that meets in this location. But the, the entity, the mystery, the origin came through Jesus Christ and through the power of the cross and his death and his resurrection. Must not forget that. The power of his resurrection. Just go through the New Testament and circle. Every time you see resurrection, from the book of Acts all the way to Revelation, you just see it was all about that the power of the resurrection just put the secure. This really was God who came to earth because a lot of good people came and died, but only one rose from the dead, and that was Jesus. And so he's building his church That's, I mean, this is very light. We could could unpack this for weeks, but I just want to start this Lenten series with saying the reason why the church is because it's supernatural. Eh, It's cluttered with humans, myself included. But the presence and the power of God can and will break through our humanity if we humble ourselves, if we yield ourselves to him and what God can do through a people committed to him. Amen. Amen. Let me just pray, Lord Jesus. Thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for the DeSilvas who are here. Thank you for that encouraging word from Pastor Mark, Lord. Thank you for your church, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in the earth today through the body of Christ, through the called out ones, those who gather in your name, Lord. I just pray for, I just pray for Kevin and and Joe and Nick and their experience in the kingdom and their early years. And Lord, I, I I, just pray you'd bless their hearts and their lives as they continue to navigate earthly fame and um, and the call to be um, surrendered to you. I don't know where they're at, but I just lift them to you. I love, I love Kevin and Denise, and I thank you for their lives. I thank you that none of our stories are over until the last chapter is written. Thank you, Lord, for Justin Bieber, and I pray for him and his testimony and even stepping out here just recently and saying, Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. And I pray for others out there that are really large and and visible, that you'd protect them. You'd protect their testimony. And Lord, just where life hits the road in the everyday life where we live, Lord, we're not popular, we're not big, we're not, we don't have a large platform, but Lord, would you help us to be faithful to this call of surrender that we are in, to walk and to emulate you, to reflect you, to, uh, to uh, demonstrate your love and your grace and your power and your forgiveness to those around us, Lord. Purify our testimony, Lord. Convict us, Lord, uh, in this day that we would be the very best followers of you that we possibly could be. I pray this, Jesus, in your name that's above every name. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, check out our website at www.ridway.church.